This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerest, CPA with Parmels and Associates. So after the teaser I gave out last week, the time has finally come and we have released the benchmark to the world. So if you are a Parmelis client, you've already got this a little over a week ago. And if you are not a Parmelis client, then it is live to you now. Um, if you want to go grab a copy of this, free download on our website, parmelis.com. That's P-A-A-R-M-E-L-I-S.com. And I'll also put a link to it in the show notes here. And there's really way too much to talk about this in an episode. And I promise that I will not just give you the next 10 episodes talking about it, even though I could, because I don't want to cheat, right? I don't want you to just say, well, I'm not going to read the report. I'll just wait for Hunt to talk about it. Um, I'm super excited about it. My team, me personally, Allison, Claire, put in so, so, so much work into this. Um, I'm really proud of it. So I want you to go check it out and draw your own conclusions on it. You don't need to listen to mine. And like I said, there's just way too much to talk about it. But really, one of the big things that I want to talk about is the methodology behind selecting the top shops and what really stood out to us compared to the not shops. But before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Did you know Napatrax is on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Are you tired of writing ads that don't generate one good candidate? Introducing Promotive, a full-service staffing solution for your auto repair shop. Go beyond the job boards and let them find your next rock star. They are ready to do your heavy lifting. Visit them online at gopromotive.com. So if you are a Parmelis client, you know that we compare all of our clients and a couple key metric areas to all of our other clients' averages um, on a quarterly basis. We release these and we attach this along with the financials. I think it's a really cool tool for my shops to kind of see where they stand. Hey, people are saying that they're getting 45% profit margin in parts. There's no way that that's what people are doing. Hey, here's the average. Transmission shop, big shop, Southern California, Northern Maine, all over the place. And really the whole idea of where this benchmark report started was when I thought to myself, and a couple of clients have asked me this along the way, why am I comparing myself to the average? I didn't get into this. I don't do anything in life to be average. I do this to be the best or at least among the best. And so what the whole idea behind this was, and it's obviously evolved into 32 pages of all this other stuff, is what are the top shops doing, right? What is the top 10% of the industry doing? And what can we kind of shoot for? Or what can we gather that they're doing that they're gaining all the success from? And then sometimes also on the flip side of this too, what is the bottom 10% of your shops doing? What are some of the things or what are some of the areas that they're kind of struggling that is really driving those numbers down and making them kind of underperform here? Really, before we kind of get into this, we need to kind of explain a little bit about what is the top versus not. I talk about this a couple of times in this report, and you probably even heard me talk about it before, but what actually quantifies top versus not? 
So what we did here is we split the group into really three different groups. We call them the top shops. We call them the not shops on the under the spectrum. And then the middle, right? The average. So the top shops are our top 10%. And the metric that we're using on that, we'll talk about a little bit more later. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, the bottom or the not shops is exactly the inverse of this, right? This is the lowest 10% that we have. You know, what I talked about last week is a lot of the commonalities that I was expecting to see and just really didn't. But this week, what we're going to be talking about is what did jump out, right? What is extremely linear and we saw go up as the success and, you know, overall strength of the business increase, what other margins and metrics also went along with it? All right, what is a top shop? What makes a top shop? This is probably a very tricky question because it's subjective. And no matter who you talk to, you're going to get a different answer on this. Hey, top shop is the one with the most, you know, amount of locations, right? Top shop is the one with the most sales on it, the most employees, the most amount of impact from the community, um, the one that takes care of their employees the best, the one that takes care of their customers the best. And, you know, every coaching company does this stuff. There's a couple of different, you know, publications that put this out. Now, most of that is extremely subjective. Not to say that mine's not subjective either, but a lot of those don't really have a quantifiable way to judge it, right? There's always going to be someone saying, hey, I like that shop. I don't like that shop. This one's good. This one's bad. And I've seen it firsthand. There's a good bit of my clients where I'd say, oh, yeah, you know, I'd take that shop. Now, would I be willing to pay what they want me to pay? Maybe, maybe not. But there's, you know, at least a handful of my clients out there where I'm like, hey, if I was to start an auto repair shop, this is what I would mimic it off of. And honestly, some of those shops aren't necessarily in this top 10%. Because when I'm looking at it, I'm going to be looking at what really drives me, what I'm going to get excited about. So probably not going to be super excited about a shop that rips out a bunch of, you know, uh, brake jobs for Camrys. But those people could be printing money and a lot of times are. You know, probably my, you know, top pick is going to be something cool, right? Something having to do with race cars, uh, specifically BMWs, Porsche, stuff like that. Not necessarily the most profitable thing, but hey, that's the one I want to run. But let's be real here. We are self-employed and the whole entire reason that we're doing this is to make a profit. If you're saying, Hunt, I'm not in this to make a profit. Well, yeah, you are. Because if you're not making a profit, you don't have a business. Your employees don't have a job and their family is going to suffer as well. So even if you're not in this to make a ton of profit, you should be in this to make a profit because profit means sustainability, right? Profit means growth. And ultimately, if you really are gaining this business with the best intention, I want to take care of my customers. I want to take care of my team. I want to take care of their family. You can only do that if you're still in business. And I'm an accountant. And one of the biggest things that sets this report, apart from anyone that's ever done this before, is we actually have real financial data. We have hundreds of clients and hundreds of shops financials that actually went into this report to create real numbers. These aren't survey answers. These aren't what shop owners think that they're making. These are real numbers that we verified and we've went through to report to you all. So obviously when we're measuring this, profitability is gonna be what we're measuring on, right? Hey, a top shop is gonna be one that's making the most money for their owners. But it's not even a perfect science there. Depending on how your entity is set up, depending on how you do a lot of different things, can really skew some of these numbers. We tried to smooth as much of this stuff out as possible, right? We're in these financials every single month. We know these clients pretty well. 
We know the ins and outs of what's going on there and really try to pull out some of these variables so we could have truly an apples to apples comparison across as many shops as we possibly could. We even went even farther and, and there were some outliers in here. And anyone that you know looks at data knows that you probably don't wanna use all of the data that you have. There's some outliers and they're just that, they're outliers. So some of those were top shops, right? Some of those were extremely profitable and some of those got dropped off. Some of our you know, bottom shops, those got dropped off at well. Some of those, you know, are set up with maybe a little bit different purpose, right? We have some people that almost have their business set up as like a charitable um, organization. Um, I know some people think that they're a charity, right? But these people truly have an intent or they have weird stuff going on, weird ownership structure where just everything looks a little bit strange. And, you know, it's always good to kind of get a little bit of these outliers in the mix, but too much of them or too severe of an outlier can really affect the rest of your data. But there's other things that are extremely common that can skew these numbers. Let's say that we're comparing two shops side by side. We'll talk about shop one, which is my shop. And then we'll talk about the shop down the street or Steve's shop. I don't believe in retirement. I preach to my employees that they shouldn't believe in retirement either. And we have a successful business. I don't borrow money. I pay cash for everything. And I have a very profitable business. I'm making about a 20% profit to the bottom line. Steve's business up the road looks exactly the same as mine. Sales, gross profit, overhead, all of that good stuff. But Steve's running about half the profit that I am. Why? Well, Steve is on the exact opposite mindset. Steve is a big saver. Steve is trying to plan for retirement and really pushes his team to do that as well. The reason that Steve's profit is so much lower than mine is not because that he has bloated overhead expenses, but he has a really, really sweet retirement plan. Not only does he put a ton of money into that for himself and his own family, he also does a good match for a lot of his employees and a lot of them participate as well. So there's one example of where you could have two good shops and almost have a little bit of an inverse relationship there, right? Truly probably what you argue might be the better shop and is not only leveraging the investment and tax benefit of retirement, but at the same time also pulling down that bottom line profit. Another thing that can be pretty tricky here is a lot of my clients rent from themselves, right? They own their own building and they pay rent to themselves. Sometimes that's above market value. Sometimes that's below market value. And it's notoriously a little bit tricky to figure out. Let's be real. If you bought that building 30 years ago, you probably have no real idea of what the fair market value rent is. And you might be thinking to yourself, I don't even know what the fair market value rent is for my business or my building. I just pay whatever the mortgage is, right? Extremely, extremely common. And that's something that also went into this equation as well. If you look at our top shops, 80% of their top shops own the real estate where they operate at. Now, we did have some extreme examples, too high, too low. And again, try to drop some of these out and normalize it. But there's always going to be variables in here, right? And lastly, a big one on here is family members, right? Your family members on payroll. Are they even coming to work or is this kind of a no-show job? Does your spouse work in the business? And maybe the flip side, and I see this a lot, spouse is working in the business but is not getting paid or not getting paid really what fair market value is. So we try to smooth all of this out as much as possible. We try to ignore depreciation, some of the interest stuff that goes in there and truly get some good numbers that don't have as many variables as what you would say, you know, unscrubbed financials would look like. 
But the one big thing that we could never get away from here and truly deliberately did not try to is how much money an owner is taking out of the business in a form of payroll. So let's go back and let's look at those two businesses again, just like we were talking about before, my shop and Steve's shop. So let's say that I'm set up as a sole proprietor. I'm not on payroll. And Steve's shop is an escort, which means he has to be on payroll. So if both of us are still showing $200,000 in profit, I'm going to show $200,000 of profit in the bottom line. No officer payroll that's going to affect that whatsoever. I'm a sole proprietor, can't take payroll. However, Steve is an escort, and Steve needs to take payroll in order to be in the good graces of the IRS. And so, like a good taxpaying citizen, Steve takes out about hundred grand in officer salary. Now, if we were to just look at this, we were to just judge shops off of their net profit, this a big, big, big variable here would be completely ignored. And it would look like I'm twice as profitable as Steve, when in actuality, we're equally as profitable. Do you really care if you get your money out of the business in the form of payroll or the form of profit? Well, yeah, to a certain degree. We all know that they're taxable a little bit differently, but no one should be penalized or judged differently because of their entity structure. Also, even S-Corps, we see a large varying degree of how much an owner's salary you take out. A lot of people like to kind of keep that in check, like we always preach about, to make sure we're not paying too much in payroll taxes. But there's a ton of reasons why sometimes people take out much more than that. Maybe you have a partner and you make kind of the profits and, and ownership stuff equal based on differing levels of salary or going back to the retirement example. If you do a profit sharing and cash balance plan and you're the owner of the business, you're going to want to crank up that payroll number so that you can maximize the benefit. So all in all, what we did here is we took those two numbers together. So we said, all right, we're going to look at officer payroll and profit and come up with a number that we call owner pay plus profit divided by sales. And so essentially what that's going to give out is a net profit percentage that is also inclusive of owner's salary. Another way to look at this is this is also your profit percentage before owner salary. All right, all the sales come through the door. What percentage is left over before you either take that profit out or take that profit out in the form of officer salary? Napatrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the industry's best, most comprehensive SMS. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you need to run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice, and having a local representation is a huge plus. Customizing tracks to your business, whether you're a one-person shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company, our representative consults with you to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. And unlike the other guys, we'll be there for you after installation with the best training and support in the business with a learning management system tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Tracks was designed and built for shop owners just like you. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Are you tired of spending endless hours searching for the perfect talent to join your team? Promotive is your full-service automotive staffing solution. At Promotive, we believe in being more than just a recruiting agency. We become an extension of your team working tirelessly to ensure we place the right talent with the right shops. With our always-be-recruiting mindset, we're constantly seeking out the best professionals in the industry. We manage 90-95% to 95% of the recruiting process, taking the burden off your shoulders. 
When you partner with Promotive, you gain a dedicated recruiter and account manager who will work closely with you, understanding your unique requirements and seeking out candidates who fit seamlessly into your shop's culture. We'll ensure that every candidate we present is thoroughly vetted and aligned with your needs. With Promotive, you'll have a peace of mind knowing that we're handling the recruitment process with expertise and precision. We don't just match resumes, we match character, culture, and long-term success. Visit our website at gopromotive.com today and experience the power of Promotive's expertise and dedication. Together, we'll build a stronger and more successful team. To put it on perspective here and kind of give you some real numbers of what we were looking at, our top shops, the top 10% of the shops that we looked at, their average for that percentage was 28.4%. So that means that for every $100 that came through the door, 28.4 of that ended up in my client's pocket, either by way of payroll or by way of profit distributions. And specifically, the split out on that was about 8% of their sales going to owner pay and about a 20% net income after that payroll, right? It's that magic 20% number that we always talked about. But we're a couple points short of it. Essentially, almost a third of all of the sales coming through the door are finding their way to my client's pocket. Now, on the flip side of this, we have the bottom 10%. This bottom 10% is what I'll call the bottom 10% of probably the top 10% of the industry. We don't work with everyone everywhere throughout the country. We do good work. We have a great reputation on it. We have a lot of loyal clients here. But let's be real. We're not the accountant for everyone. Everyone likes to do stuff a little bit differently. Some people are too small. Some people don't believe in financial statements, computers, and all that stuff. And if that's the case, it's going to be very hard to work with an accountant that might be on the other side of the country. You know, and I like to think that my clients are really truly the upper echelon of shops in the country. So even the bottom 10% is probably, you know, it's, it's probably below the average of what the entire industry is, but nowhere near the bottom on this, right? Because I think that you probably have to be at a certain level in order to be one of our clients. That might be my ego getting away, but I think that that probably rings true, especially if you look at some of these other metrics of what these shops are doing. Obviously, the profit is not what some of these clients want to see here, but not all of these are late stage businesses, right? Some of these are early. Some of these have only been in business two, three years and are still trying to find their groove. And just like anything that we do, I think that looking this as a percentage is extremely important. Percentage is easily comparable no matter what size the business is. Percentages also show efficiency to a certain degree. Right. So if I talk about this and I've talked about this in the past, hey, I want to make $200,000. If I have a business that does $400,000 in sales a year and I make 200 grand a profit, that's pretty damn impressive. Right. Half of the money that I took in ended up in my profit. And that probably doesn't mean anywhere as much work as, let's say, a $10 million business that only brings in $200,000 in profit. Right. You might look at that bottom line and say, hey, they still both got to the same net result. I'm going to tell you, it's probably a hell of a lot harder to run that $10 million a year company that is a $400,000 a year company. But what is causing this huge discrepancy from the top and the not, right? We have almost a 24% swing there between the top shops and the bottom shops. I figured that there was going to be a couple of things, right? Obviously, everyone's going to be like, oh, your gross profit must be high, right? Oh, your, your overhead must be lower. Well, duh, right? If your gross profit is higher and your overhead is lower, You're just essentially saying, well, statistically, you're going to have a higher profit here. 
But there's a couple things here that did jump out at me a little bit further. And one of the things that I have always talked about and is one of my kind of, I wouldn't say pet peeve, but one of my big passions and one that I like to stress to my clients and really all shops out there is productivity. If productivity, if this would not have any relationship, I probably would have cried or I would have been really confused on it because I swore that this had something to do with it. And this is truly a number that I would never, ever, ever have probably been able to give out just off the cusp. I would have probably guessed on this, but couldn't have probably, you know, given anywhere close to what these real numbers came out at. And what we found out here is the bottom 10% of shops were about 20% lower in productivity than our top shops. Our bottom shops were running about 50% productivity compared to our top 10% shops were running about 70% productivity. Now, productivity, efficiency, right? We use this stuff interchangeably sometimes and everyone calculates this a different way. But what we were using on ours is we were looking at true labor dollars. And when I mean true labor dollars, I don't mean effective. I mean, hey, if you're going to say your street rate is $145, how many hours did you sell at $145? Now, that gives us a total amount of hours sold. How do we figure out what the productivity is? Technicians in a building for, you know, full time for a year, it's about 2,080 hours. How many technicians you got? We even went to the detail of counting half technicians, right? And we've talked about this in previous episodes when I talk about productivity. If I have a general service tech that is really, really green, I'm not going to tag him for 40 hours because I know his max production is probably 20. So we were really, really careful on this one because I had a really strong feeling that exactly like what we saw here, productivity is one of the biggest differentiating factors between the bottom shops and the top shops. Productivity is one where we've talked about endlessly, right? You can go to any coaching seminar, there's going to be one thing on productivity. And like I tell my clients all the time, my job is not to tell you how to fix your productivity. It's kind of highlight what that productivity is, how we measure it, and also how much even a small increase could really change your bottom line. But productivity is hard. It's one that the small shops, the top shops, they're all struggling with. Remember, our top shops are still at 70% productivity on paid dollars. That doesn't mean that there isn't shops out there running 100% productivity. There is, but it is extremely, extremely rare. We got people involved. We got very large businesses. And honestly, as the businesses get bigger, sometimes people worry less and less about productivity because if you have enough dollars coming through, you can outrun this stuff, right? You can just work harder, not smarter. And also it's hard. You got to get people's head. You got to figure out what motivates them. You got to figure out what makes them tick and you got to stay on top of them. And it's an ever, ever kind of changing cycle. And it's a never ending project that people are always working on. But one of the big things about productivity is productivity. A lot of times people think, well, well, hey, that must be directly tied to car count or average repair order or, you know, how you pay these technicians. When in actuality, all of that stuff made no difference. If you look at the ARO of our top shops, that was about 670 bucks. If you look at the ARO of our bottom shops or the not shops, that was $673, eerily the same, right? Extremely close. Even the average came in around 686. So pretty much all the shops are kind of running a very similar average repair order. Now, if you're a quick lube, you might be thinking to yourself, 
$670, what the heck is going on here? Now, there's a lot of different shops getting taken into consideration here, right? In a lot of different areas around the country. We have clients all across the country, Hawaii, Alaska, and obviously the continental U.S., high-income areas, low-income areas. I got exotic shops in here. I got quick lubes in here. I got tire shops, transmission shops, Euro shops, Saab shops, Volvo shops, right? Everything in this mix here, right? So we get a really, really good perspective. Now, obviously, there's other sections here where we kind of pick and choose and segment up different things by location and by shop type. But when we're comparing this stuff, everyone is going into the same bucket. Another thing here that we noticed is there wasn't any sort of uniformity on how people were paying their technicians. Go into one of these shop owners' Facebook groups and say, hey, I pay all of my guys hourly. How can I increase productivity? The first three comments will probably be someone calling you a moron that you're trying to increase productivity without paying flat rate because flat rate is the only way that you can have your technicians be more productive. And sure enough, the next person coming on there is going to scream at those people saying, hey, flat rate is predatory. Why would we ever pay our guys for what they produce? No under industry is doing this. The cool thing that came out in this study is we have top shops that are paying salary. We have top shops that are paying flat rate. We have top shops that are paying some sort of hybrid and everything in between. There is really no sort of consensus on what the top shops are doing. This is a great example of there's not just one way to slice the pie. It's not actually how you're paying these, probably other factors going on inside of your business that is increasing this productivity, that is increasing this efficiency, that is ultimately increasing your gross profit, which ultimately increases your net profit, right? This is a bouncing, bouncing ball. And I talk about this a lot when I'm kind of analyzing the financials, that if your profitability is kind of not where you want it to be, it could look like the sky is falling. Hey, overhead is too high, gross profit's too low, you need more sales. Now, productivity is one that can solve all of those issues. If your guys are more productive, they're going to be more profitable. If they're more profitable, your gross profit's going to go up. And obviously, if we're being more productive, your sales are going to go up as well. If your sales are going up, your gross profit is going up, and your overhead remains the same, your overhead is going to be relatively smaller, and your profit is going to be higher. So great example there of, oh, man, the sky's falling, everything looks bad, but focus on productivity fixes all the issues. Sales fix everything, right? But a lot of times sales are actually coming from production and productivity, not necessarily marketing, card count, getting your quotes up and stuff like that. Now, another thing here that I wanted to point out is it's not always about quotes. It's not always about, oh, my service advisor can't sell or anything like that. A lot of it is also dispatching, managing, making sure that the team has enough support behind them. And another metric that we measured here is the number of technicians per service advisor. This has always been a rule of thumb that I've heard people talk about. Some people argue that you need a service advisor for every two techs. Some people have a service advisor for every three techs. And it looks like the average is about split right down the middle. The average shop has about two and a half technicians for every service advisor. The bottom shop run 2.2. The top shops run 2.3. So if you look, the bottom shops are actually having less technicians per service advisor than the average, but so are the top shops. But remember, the bottom shops have bad productivity where the top shops have high productivity. So this is a great example here of causation, probably not correlation to a certain degree, 
or maybe one and then the other on the opposite side of it. But number of technicians per service advisor 2.21 for the bottom shops, could that be the reason why their productivity is so low? They don't have enough production people to kind of outpace the sunk cost of some of the people on the counter and things like that. Now, we know the productivity is good in the top shop, but that ratio is not very different. So what we see a lot of times in those or what we could probably deduce from this is, hey, maybe we're going to be a little bit heavier on the counter. Maybe our counter guys are not only going to be service advisors, but kind of service managers and help with dispatching work, making sure that the work goes in and out correctly. Maybe even some customer service or quality control stuff going on there as well. It's hard to say for sure without stepping foot in these specific shops on it, but there is definitely a catch-22 here between, hey, I want to be lean and mean and make sure that my production team is high and my support staff is low. But then also, if you really want to be super productive, you're probably also going to have that support staff to make sure that this runs like a well-oiled machine. So you can check out the report for all of the numbers. We go down through average monthly sales, average monthly sales per service advisors by bay, technicians, gross profits by the same metrics, uh, labor gross profit, parts gross profit, GP before service advisor, GP after service advisor. Really, all of these gross profit numbers, we see direct relationships. Bottom, average, top, all of these is an increasing sliding scale up as they get more profitable. Same thing on the overhead. If you look at the overhead as a relative cost of its sales, overhead is sliding down as you have more success, right? These people are outrunning their overhead faster and doing it at a faster rate because they're selling this at a more profitable level. But again, personally for me, all of these numbers are coming from one major thing here, which is productivity. I don't care how high your labor rate is. I don't care how cheap your overhead is. If you don't have good productivity, it's all for naught. Like we talked about last week, right? Labor rate doesn't really make much of a difference in a nutshell. Average repair order, just like we talked about, doesn't make much of a difference. Even overall sales to a certain degree really doesn't make much of a difference. Only when looked at as kind of the magnifying glass of, all right, what is your capacity? And really what we're seeing here is the top shops are maximizing their capacity, not only of their physical square footage, but also of the production team that they have in place. Making money is not the end-all be-all, right? It should never be what we judge our overall success by, and this is not meant to be that by any means. Um, someone once told me, which I think is an extremely good line, that making money in an auto repair shop is actually very easy. If you want to make more money in an auto repair shop, work seven days a week, work harder than anyone else, work 12 hours a day, and you're going to have more work than you know what to do with, especially if you're going to be priced pretty competitively. And if you want to do that as a one-man band, you're going to make a pretty darn good living, but you're going to pay the price for it. Now, making money while still having a personal life and still having your back after 25 years is obviously a little bit trickier because you have to get a team in place and you have to motivate that team and you have to stay on top of that team and you have to nurture and culture that and train that team. And this is where it all gets tricky. There's also a couple big non-financial clues, right? What are the top shops doing? What are the top shops offering employee benefits? And again, is that because they are the top shops that they're allowed to offer those employee benefits? Or are the bottom shops not becoming more successful because they're not attracting top talent if they're not offering health insurance, retirement, and stuff like that? 
But if you want to see all of those numbers and probably more numbers than you ever thought was even possible to compile for this industry, again, check out that report at parmelis.com. Link is in the show notes. Finally, I just want to say thanks again. I cannot say thank you enough to all of the clients and the whole Parmelis team for their time and effort to bring all of this to you. I wish I could say, hey, Hunt made all of this, which that could not be farther from the truth. This might have been originally my brainchild, but without my clients, many of you which are listening and a couple of you have already reached out, I appreciate that. And obviously the dedicated team that I have um, that, you know, assisted my clients to put this together, compile this stuff, as well as give their input and feedback to really fine tune this and get this to 100% of really, really a polished, great product that we could not be more proud of. So share it with your team, share it with your friends, share it with whoever you think could use this. I would love to hear your feedback, questions, or like I said, we're going to be doing this in the coming years as well too. What else would you like to see? How else would you like to see this chopped up, segmented, and other things measured? So as always, please share this episode with friends, share this report with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listing app. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.